Part three, chapters five and six of Perkins the Faker, a travesty on reincarnation by Edward S. Van Zyl. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Clarissa's troublesome baby, chapter five. A spoiled child. Yes, tis my dire misfortune now to hang between two ties, to hold within my furried brow the earth's clay and the skies victor hugo tom had come to the nursery in high spirits and with the best possible intention freed from the depressing presence of the nurse and butler he had argued i felt sure that now was the time for a frolic with the baby that should put their relations upon a smoother footing he had said to me more than once that little horatio's apparent prejudice against him was due to the fact that hirelings were always coming between children and parents in these latter days the baby's voice however was still for war i did not dare to trot him upon my knees knowing his prejudice against a shaking so i sat there gazing up at tom's smiling face in perplexity and holding my first husband now howling lustily firmly upright on my lap let me take him my dear suggested tom with what struck me as rather artificial enthusiasm i'll walk with him a while it may quiet him to my astonishment the baby stopped crying at once as tom bent down and clasped him rather awkwardly in his arms hope began to dance merrily in my heart and i laughed aloud it was a sight to bring smiles to the saddest face tom paced up and down the nursery sedately furtively watching jack as he nestled against his shoulder making no sound and apparently contented for the moment with the situation but a sudden fear fell upon me the thought that this might be the calm before the storm flashed through my mind and the lightning of premonition was almost instantly followed by the thunder of fulfilment what the dickens cried tom in anger and amazement jack having deftly hurled tom's eyeglasses to the floor had begun to pummel his nose with one hand while he pulled his hair with the other making strange guttural sounds the while that were unlike anything that had ever issued from his baby throat before take him away will you clare implored tom wildly he's the worst that ever happened what's the matter with him perhaps he's sleepy tom i suggested uncertain whether i should laugh or weep as i removed the baby from my second husband's arms what a bad little boy you have been horatio i managed to say chidingly wondering if nature had not designed me for an actress he ought to be spanked growled tom bending to the floor to grope for his eyeglasses in the twilight spanked eh whispered the baby close to my ear we'll see about that i've got it in for him all right just wait hush hush i implored him hurrying back to the rocking-chair to get as far away from tom as possible what an infernal temper the boy has remarked the latter standing erect again and replacing his eyeglasses upon his nose i'm afraid my visit to the nursery has not been a success clare he added as he stalked to the doorway evidently sorely hurt at heart when we were alone together again i planted the baby firmly on my knees and bent down till i could look straight into his tear-stained eyes you are very unkind jack i said to him earnestly have you ever paused to consider what you are here for of course i'm a convert to the theory of reincarnation you're sufficient proof of its truth as i understand it it is incumbent upon you to lead a better life this time than you led before 
frankly jack you art beginning well i realize that clarissa said the baby repentantly if i don't brace up i'll make a terrible mess of it and my next birth'll be sure to jar me maybe i'll be doomed to show up in brooklyn or even hoboken if you care anything about my uh psychical future my dear you'll keep tom minturn away from me he's so confoundedly patronizing he's actually insufferable my dear did you hear him quoting herbert spencer at the table gazing at me all the while as if i were some kind of a germ that might develop in time and the funny part of it is clarissa that i am a sage and he's nothing but a misguided ignoramus but tom has the reputation of being quite learned jack i protested he's an active member of the darwin society and has just been elected to the association for the promulgation of the doctrine of evolution and the dead steered by the dumb moved upward with the flood quoted the baby somewhat irrelevantly i thought they are blind leaders of the blind clarissa i could tell tom in a minute more than he'll ever know if he always clings to the idea that the universe is a machine that was made by chance and is run by luck but i shan't take the trouble to give him the tip he'll know a thing or two some day meanwhile my dear you'd better keep him away from me if worse comes to the worst you might send me to some institution i realize bitterly enough that i'll be an awful nuisance to you if you keep me here i felt the tears coming into my eyes and impulsively i drew the baby closer to me i was in the most deplorable predicament that my imagination could conceive torn by conflicting emotions and horrified by the awful possibilities presented to me by the immediate future if tom through jack's hot temper should discover the truth and be forced suddenly to abandon materialism by coming face to face with a convincing psychical demonstration what would happen i shuddered there in the gloaming as my mind dwelt reluctantly upon the unprecedented perils menacing my happiness it was no comfort to my distraught soul to realize that in all probability no woman since the world began had been afflicted in just this way neither was there any relief in the conviction that i had been in no way to blame for this incongruous psychical visitation no i couldn't send you away jack i said musingly that is practically impossible we'll have to make the best of it and our successful manipulation of the situation depends almost wholly upon your self-control you must adapt yourself to your environment my boy become a baby in fact as well as in theory you'll be happier that way don't talk nonsense clarissa grumbled jack kicking viciously at his long clothes i'm the victim of what might be called a temporary maladjustment of the machinery of psychical evolution ordinarily a baby is not cognizant of a former existence you advise me to forget the past and remember only that i am your cunning little eight months old horatio if i only could it's the only thing that could give me permanent relief my dear but it's not possible here i am doomed to a kind of dual punishment ashamed of myself as horatio and afraid of myself as jack and all because i clogged my psychical progress in my late life by a carnal craving for welsh rabbits it sounds absurd doesn't it when one puts it into words but my dear the sublime and the ridiculous are as close together in one realm of existence as in another truth has many faces and there's always a grin on one of them i think i hear your nurse coming back jack i whispered 
is there anything i can do for you yes he answered excitedly lowering his voice however do you think clarissa that you could secrete a flask of bottled cocktails in the room somewhere i've learned a thing or two of late that might prove useful to me if i needed a stimulant and knew where to find it i can raise my body by my arms and hold up my whole weight for ten minutes at a time i've been experimenting at night when the nurse was asleep tom's an evolutionist ask him about it he'll explain to you how it happens you'll bring the cocktails my dear i hesitated bewildered by his request daring neither to grant nor deny it the nurse was halfway down the hall and nearing the door rapidly take your choice clarissa whispered the baby coolly unless you promise me at once i shall tell the nurse who i am the moment she enters the room my heart sprang chokingly into my throat and i whispered hoarsely very well jack i'll do as you wish but do be careful won't you don't take more than a sip at a time will you before the baby could reply the nurse had entered the room smiling gaily chapter six protoplasm and froth we have forgot what we have been and what we are we little know thomas w parsons there was not the least doubt that our dinner in honor of the german biologist platner had been a tremendous success long before we had reached the game course i had caught the gleam of triumph in tom's eyes and across the long board my gaze had met his in joyous congratulation it was not merely personal glory that we had won by this well-conceived and smoothly executed social function in a way we had vindicated our caste had proved to a censorious world that the inner circle of metropolitan society is not wholly frivolous utterly indifferent to the achievements of genius and the marvellous feats of modern science when tom had first suggested to me the possibility of our entertaining platner whose efforts had won the enthusiasm of materialists in all parts of the world i had fought shy of the project tom's idea was to gather at our table the most noted scientists of the city with the german biologist as the magnet and to select our women from among the cleverest of our set once vulgarly known as the four hundred upon his first presentation of the scheme i had argued that it was impracticable that the scientists would find our women frivolous and that our women would be horribly bored by the sages even up to the moment of our entrance to the dining-room i had been annoyed by the fear that my pessimistic attitude toward the function was to be vindicated that tom's effort to make oil and water mix was doomed to failure and the funniest thing about the whole affair is that we were saved from disaster and raised to glory through the quaint personality of the herr doctor our guest of honour a typical german savant in appearance with spectacles beard and agitated hair he displayed from the outset a perfect self-control beneath which one quickly realized glowed the fires of a fine enthusiasm speaking french or english with a fluency that was enviable he aired his hobby in a genial entertaining way which saved him from being the bore that a man with a fixed idea is so apt to prove protoplasm may seem to be a most unpromising topic upon which to base the conversation at a fashionable dinner-party but i found myself intensely interested before the oyster-plates had been removed in the scientific discussion that the learned herr doctor had set in motion and tom had deftly kept alive i had been impressed years ago platner had begun in answer to a polite question from mrs ned farrington who is a very tactful woman i had been impressed by the similarity of protoplasm to a fine froth 
here the german scientist held an oyster poised on a fork and gazed at it musingly the while he continued in almost flawless english the most available froth soap lather is made up of air bubbles entangled in a soap solution after years of experimenting my friends i succeeded in making an oil foam from soapy water and olive oil under the microscope my solution closely resembles protoplasm does it really cried mrs ned rapturously wonderful commented professor shanks america's most noted zoologist it's curious remarked eleanor scarsdale rather cleverly i thought that from protoplasm to the highest civilization there should have been a struggle from soap to soap the hair doctor glanced approvingly at the brightest debutante of the season in those words young lady he said with a flattering emphasis you have summed up the whole history of physical evolution but to continue my drops of oil foam act as if they were alive their movements bearing a most marvellous resemblance to the activities of pelomyxa a jelly-like marine creature protoplasmic in its simplicity the hair doctor was again addressing his remarks to his oyster fork do i understand dr platner asked tom from the foot of the table that under the microscope rosapod protoplasm for example would resemble your uh oil foam so closely sir answered herr platner instantly that i have often deceived the most expert microscopists in germany furthermore mr minturn my artificial protoplasm retains its activity for long periods of time i made one drop sir that was alive so to speak for six days and then it died asked mrs ned mournfully to speak unscientifically yes answered the german carefully now what are we to gather from all this my friends the butler had removed the oysters and the hair doctor was forced to glance at his audience new reverence for soap and olive oil suggested one of the younger scientists a professor at a neighboring university platner eyed the speaker suspiciously and then said that of course sir but much more than that i have proved conclusively my friends that the primary movements of life are due to structure and that there is absolutely no necessity for believing in any peculiar vital essence or force the living cell i confidently assert may be built up out of inert matter the old-fashioned idea of a vital spark being absolutely essential is as obsolete as the belief in special creation let me live a hundred years my friends and i'll make for you a goethe or a shakespeare out of soap lather and olive oil just imagine it exclaimed mrs farrington gazing with exaggerated admiration at the german genius it's really not so shocking to our pride of ancestry as it seems at first sight tom ventured to suggest our generation has become reconciled perforce to its humble origin it is hard for us to realize how severely darwinism shocked our fathers and mothers as i understand you dr platner broke in mrs bob vincent turning the blaze of her great dark eyes full upon the german's face your discovery is a triumph for the extreme materialists it destroys absolutely all the bases upon which the belief in psychic forces rests we are machines wound up to run for a while and then to stop forever you have practically stated my creed madam answered the herr doctor gravely constant motion constant change these are the alpha and the omega of the universe 
why should we superimpose the concept of a psychical existence upon a structure that is already perfect as i said in other words my friends i could if sufficient time were granted to me rebuild the earth and its creatures in my laboratory provided that it was situated near a barber shop in a delicatessen store whispered dr hopkins who had been listening in silence on my left to our guest of honour i was glad to hear this subdued note of protest from so eminent a source but he shook his grey head as i glanced at him approvingly professor hopkins p h d loves science but hates controversy had he crossed swords at that moment with the german he would have found i imagine that the sympathies of my guests were with the materialist when a scientist frankly tells you that he can manufacture protoplasm and goes on to describe to you his method of procedure it's well to pause before plunging into an argument with him but i who had good reason to know that herr platner was ludicrously at fault in his conception of the universe could not but regret that so brilliant a champion as dr hopkins had not rushed to the defence of the truth for a moment i was almost tempted to defy the rules of hospitality and voice the new faith that had come to me in the existence of psychic mysteries this inclination was intensified by herr platner's answer to a question put to him by one of the men it's all the veriest rubbish i heard the german saying with great emphasis all those oriental philosophies and religions are merely picturesque presentments of the truth that are clearly stated by modern materialism so called what is nirvana but simple cessation of motion admitting reincarnation for example as a working hypothesis it would mean simply the coming and going of atomic vibrations with successive losses of identity they are dreamers those orientals seeing half-truths clearly enough but never following them out to their logical conclusions and yet the east is the mother of lather and olive oil murmured dr hopkins under his breath at that instant my heart leaped into my throat and i sprang to my feet in a fright with horatio in her arms his nurse had rushed frantically into the dining-room despite the interference of the butler and with blanched face and staring eyes was bearing down on me with the purpose evidently of thrusting the baby into my grasp take him take him she cried hysterically and before i could resist her insistence horatio was squirming in my bare arms he's bewitched continued his nurse frantically he's been talking like a man i'm through with him he ain't a baby you just wait a moment mrs minturn he'll speak again in a moment he's got a voice like a steam calliope and what he says oh my take her away at once tom was crying to the butler she has gone crazy he went on rushing past our astounded guests to my assistance don't be frightened my dear i always thought that she was unbalanced and now i know it poor little horatio he looks scared to death End of chapters five and six